0: Welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. In this episode, we continue our conversation with long-term care residents about the most significant nursing home reforms announced in decades. We speak with two residents both residing in Maryland to discuss the problems they face in their day-to-day lives from inadequate staffing, the ways nursing home ownership has impacted their lives throughout the pandemic, as well as what can be done to improve their lives in long-term care.
1: Hi, everyone. On February 28th, 2022, the Biden administration announced it would be implementing new nursing home reforms. These reforms include the most significant improvements to nursing homes in decades. They include the creation of a minimum staffing standard in nursing homes, accountability for poor performing nursing homes, increased transparency around ownership and finances, and support for direct care staff. These reforms are critical and they are desperately needed to address the inadequate conditions that many residents face in their day-to-day lives. Today, we wanna talk with nursing home residents directly about what some of these reforms might mean to them, as well as what their experiences have been through the pandemic and over the past few years. And so today we have with us um, Maurice and Barb, and I'm just gonna turn it over to Maurice to introduce himself.
2: My name is Maurice Miller. Um, this is I'm entering my tenth year at this particular nursing home, which has seen two management ch- changes in the time that I've been here. I'm in suburban Maryland, suburban DC and Tacoma Park, Maryland.
1: Thanks. And Barb, could you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Barb Conan.
0: I'm at Larkin Chase in Bowie, Maryland. Uh, this is my third nursing home in 11 years. Um I'm That's it. <laughs> Was there we're anything else? Glad...
1: <laughs> no, we're glad to have you both here with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um One of the biggest reforms from the Biden plan is obviously a minimum staffing standard. This is something people have been pushing for for decades. Um, We know so many facilities have historically been understaffed. And this is true long before the pandemic, but the pandemic Mm -hmm. really shined a light on this. Um, And so I think it makes sense to start our conversation off talking a little bit about staffing. Um, And so I just wanted to ask you both, what What does it mean to you living this experience when there isn't enough staff in your facility?
2: Chaos is basically what it amounts to. If it's a shortage of nursing staff and they have to bring in, for example, agency staff, you cannot reliably depend upon the proper administration of your medication or your administration of your medication in a timely fashion. It was the very frontline people, the um, certified nursing assistants or the geriatric nursing assistants. Um, it can be really murder. Uh, you know, if, if the staffing levels are too short and you are a person who um, cannot, for example, clean and change yourself, that may mean that within a particular shift, you don't get cleaned or changed, um, which leaves you susceptible to all kinds of sicknesses and everything else, which is supposed to be counterintuitive to how you're supposed to live in a nursing home. Um, You're not supposed to get sicker here because of low staffing. And more often than not, we are seeing ourselves in a situation here where I'll just put it out there. Um, I think that they save money, they make money by shaving the staff and they create great disincentives for not keeping the staffing levels up to
1: par. And Barb, I see you nodding. So do you? I, I'm,
0: I'm in a hundred
1: percent agreement
0: with Maurice. Um, low staffing and and in my opinion, low staffing means anything over a ratio of 10 residents to one gna let's put it at the gna or cna level um anything above that is to me considered low staffing and absolutely maurice is 100 percent right if if we are not changed if we are not cleaned if our wounds are not attended to things are just going to go south, and they can go south very quickly, especially with wounds, and I know that for a fact. Um, and I also agree with, with Maurice's assessment of it all being about the almighty dollar. If, if the ownership, if the, if the corporation who owns the, the facility doesn't want to spend the money, they are not going to bring in additional staff, or they are not going to bring in people from the agencies who cost more for them, um, and they're just going to let let, uh, the status quo be whatever it is, and however many people they can bring on. Now, I do understand that over the the period of of the COVID, of the pandemic, um, staffing has been difficult. Um, And I know that in our particular location right now, I know that we are actively searching for for new staff members. But it's not unusual for us to see 14 and 15 residents for one GNA and that is, in my opinion, unacceptable.
1: Um, So you both mentioned agency staff. And so something else I wanted to ask you both about today is turnover and staffing. Um, We know that many facilities see an incredible amount of turnover, and we know that there has been a big increase in agency staff. And so I wanted to ask what it means when the staff doesn't know you, Um, you know, when when there's new staff coming in, when, you know, there's an agency staff covering for a couple of days and then somebody else comes in after them. How does how does that play out in in your day to day life? If
0: I may, Maurice, I'll jump in on this one. Um, I have a certain routine. I do get up every day. I have certain commitments every day. If I have to re-educate or educate someone uh, for the first time every day on a different level, it takes up time. It adds to my frustration. It's it's very uncomfortable. and And I just hate it. I absolutely hate it. And when I see a new face, it's like, oh, God, do I have to do this all over again? Uh, I will say that in our particular location, we have not had much staff turnover. We just have very low staffing. We don't have staff. So that's why they go to the agencies. But I'm not a big fan, (laughs) but you know, it is what it is.
1: Maurice, do you have?
2: I think it is absolutely hilarious. And I say that because I've just gotten cynical. Um, for people to come in and notice that I'm a functional quadriplegic and then ask me to turn as they clean me um, because they are not made familiar with our conditions, um, our respective situations, and they walk in and assume that everyone has, has the same capabilities. And... Um, And I could really say, seriously, are you nuts? And um, I try not to, and I try not to say anything that's um, not safe for work to say, Um, but it gets very frustrating. And like Barb, I have a specific routine because um, I can't function um, very well. I have to depend heavily on my computer um, for things like making phone calls even let alone typing or writing emails um, using speech-to-text software. If you walk out of the room thinking your job is done and I can't access my um, laptop, um, all kinds of things can go wrong. Um, whether it's writing a letter, an email to the executive director, or there's trying to get a hold of my 94-year-old mother in Michigan who worries if she can't get a hold of me. And um, so the lack of familiarity with the the residents and the lack of management's willingness to just put down um, simple information on a piece of paper,
0: this resident has
2: this condition, this resident has this condition, um, is just as much to blame. Um, as the fact that we're seeing a lot of agency staff and we do get a lot of turnover and we get a lot of new staff.
0: um, You know,
2: I've asked that for of management. Just put it on the paper. This is what we need. It doesn't have to be long. It could be in a simple code. Um, And that way you eliminate a lot of that hassles. And um, we do see a lot of agency people here and we do see a lot of turnover um, to the point that one uh, one night, um, several nights on the night shift, only one person has shown up for the overnight shift. And um, they've had to call around desperately to find someone else, one more person to support that one person. Um, so it's, um, I would love to see fewer agency people, especially because it cost them more money, which means it's costing the taxpayers more money. And I would like to see more staff, period, um, who know what we need.
1: So, you know, you, you said know what you need and you've both mentioned educating staff. Um, so something else I wanted to ask about is staff training. I mean, we know during the pandemic that um, Training was waived um, at the start of the pandemic um, so that temporary nurse aides could come into facilities that didn't have enough staff and training requirements were, were waived and they have not been brought back. That waiver has not been lifted yet. Um, and so in terms of what staff know and what they're able to do, what do you think it is just imperative that staff are aware of and trained on before they enter a facility?
2: I'll put it simple. Um, You need to know everything that you would want to know if you're caring for your own loved one or your own child. That's it in a nutshell. Um, Because if you don't, you're no good to us. And... um, I've seen some of the best staff come out and say that even before I would almost think it and say, I wish this person would do this. they say, I want to take care of you as if I you were my relative. And that's in an ascendance. Um, if, you, if you can't care for your child, if you can't care for your grandparent who took care of you and raised you, um, and if you don't want to do that and you're scared of doing that, you don't belong here,
0: right? I agree a hundred percent, Maurice. You, you couldn't have; no one could have said it better. The only thing that I would add to that is, in addition to that, you must have compassion, and that is not a trainable characteristic. Um, but without that, you're just a paycheck, and I don't want you around me.
2: Amen.
1: Um, and so that actually leads you guys are doing a good job of this. That leads into my next question. Um, on on a more personal level, um, what are what are your interactions like with staff? and how do you see residents in your facility being treated by staff?
0: I'll jump in on that one. Um, in I'm a pretty friendly person, I would say, so, I have a very good relationship with, I would say 98% of the staff. Um, and I do not see much negativity at all in the hallways, let's say, or in the dining room, um, just in general with staff members from all departments, you know, be it maintenance or housekeeping or activities. Um, I think in this particular facility, in fact, more so than my other two, I think there is a pretty good balance of staff and, and resident uh, relationships. Uh, you know, you have a few that are few, especially staff, uh, uh, excuse me, residents who for one reason or another are not happy and are not going to be happy with anything you do. But I would say in, in my particular case, we have a pretty good, pretty good relationship in the round. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a pretty good
2: facility in that respect. Um, I think that we do better, this goes back to our original question. I think we do better when our staffing levels are up to par. The more stressed our staff is, um, the more, sh- I don't wanna say short-tempered, the more rushed they are, and the more rushed they are, um, the more impatient we might get. Um, so if you start off on the premise that okay, your staffing level is up to par, I think that you can say that we have a great relationships. We can go to a residence council meeting and say, we want to give this person or this staff member accommodation. Um, if the staff on each shift um, is working short, Um, and are rushing from room to room and don't have time to take care of you in the manner that you want to be taken care of or you need to be taken care of, they're going to be frustrated and you're going to be frustrated. And that's, I think, the key to some of the tension that we experience in our facility is not so much that neither likes the other as much as we don't have time for one another.
0: Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. That's that's such a good point. And you're right. I mean, and I think that's sort of the perspective when we think of the pandemic and we think of that one CNA for so many residents. You're right. By the time they get to the 18th resident or the 25th resident, you know, the how they felt when they got there for their shift, you know, 15 residents ago is is very different. It's 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 hard work. Um you know, to, to be a CNA and to do all of this. So I think that's a really good point. Um, the, the next thing I want to ask is just kind of foiling that question with what about the administrator of your facility or the administration? Do you, do you deal with them and how do they treat residents? What, what are those interactions like?
0: We just had a resident council meeting and one of the, areas that was brought up and i think everyone in the room every resident agreed was we need to see the administration the administrator as well as top management out on the floors we need them to see what we're going through as opposed to sitting back behind their desks and being on the phone and calling this and calling that talking to their department heads if they don't see it they're not going to feel it they're not going to feel what we're feeling. So I believe that this particular facility is definitely lacking in that respect.
2: Um, in our facility, I don't think our management staff would want to see the results of a poll but of the residents that says whom do you trust more politicians or the management staff of the facility. <laughs> because it's that bad. Um, We changed management hands right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, So the regular introductions that we were used to um, in Residence Council and everything else particularly um, did not happen, but that should not and could did not preclude um, the administrator and the other, other directors from walking around and saying, hello, I just want to pop in and say, I'm so-and-so. This is my position. If you need anything, please help or please call. And that didn't happen either. Um, they would put out changes in management on the dining room wall um, back in the days when we were not allowed in the dining room.
0: right? And we're
2: like, okay, that's gonna work um so um yep, that works <laughs> i interrupt i am one who does interact regularly with the management um of our facility and um some of the other people are as well but um by far this is um a problem here where your your aloofness um causes some of your own problems um because if you know, it's a sign of your own character. If you're indifferent to your residents, you're definitely going to be indifferent to your staff, and um, that has happened here. So, what do you expect? The residents aren't going to move on Moss necessarily, but the staff, yeah, sure. Why don't they? Why wouldn't they?
1: So to to follow along with that, have you had to And I mean, you mentioned talking to the management quite a bit. Maurice, um, are you able to raise grievances or address issues with the administration in your facility? Or do you find yourself sometimes having to go outside of the facility to to push for change?
2: I'm more comfortable going outside of our facility. I like I said, I believe that there's a trust issue um, from the resident's perspective um, with respect to management. You know, I've, yeah, I believe that um, I can't rely on them necessarily to follow through. I'm pleasantly surprised when I raise an issue and it's resolved um, right away but it's, I, I don't expect it. And um, I prefer to go outside for that reason.
1: Thanks.
0: I know I have a question of, of Maurice. Uh, Maurice, do you go to the ombudsman or do you go above that more to the higher state level?
2: I go to the ombudsman when possible and I try to avoid the state level because we've had bad experiences with the state finding oh. ways to side. On the staff of the facility, um, repeatedly, I go straight to the Vets more often than not. Um,
0: okay. I think they're more, they're
2: they're, more, they're the more objective, um, more independent voice, and um, they will investigate and they will,
0: you know, take action. Okay, I, I was just curious. Um, in in my, in our case or in my case, um, I have not had to go to the ombudsman here. I did at my prior facility, and we had a lot of good luck with that particular ombudsman. She was very resourceful, very reactive, um, and she made sure that, that uh, grievances and issues were, if not met, at least certainly addressed and action had to take place to some level. Um, I have not had that issue here specific, you know, with a specific problem, but if I did, I of course would start with the ombudsman and go on up rather than going directly to management here.
1: Okay, so you both kind of go around the management within the facility because it doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere. I, I yeah. think
0: so in my case. I, I, yeah. I don't have specific um, instance yet, but I think that's what I would do.
2: Jose, that's the case here as a general rule, there are, managers that are dedicated enough and um, on top of things enough to where they will step up and assist. But if I'm speaking about the management group as a whole, yeah, um, I I have to find a around in order to get things done.
1: So, uh, Maurice, you talked about a change in management, and I actually want to ask a question about changes in ownership, um, because Another provision in the Biden administration's nursing home reform plan includes more transparency around ownership. And so I'm wondering if either of you have experienced changes in ownership in your facility um, and if you could speak to, if you have, whether or not that had a direct effect on your experience living there.
2: Um, Yeah, we as I said, we experienced a change in ownership um, at the height of the pandemic in May of 2020 um, and we had hopes. We didn't know what was, what was going to happen. This was a newly st- structured um, operation um, formed by a private equity company, which is one of the areas of key concern in the nursing home industry. Um, and so it was a new beast all the way around. Um, what we have found though, is that um, all the concerns about the lack of transparency about the um, inability to um, keep staffing levels and supplies up to par um, because of the um, profits involved um, have turned out to be true. Um, We don't know a lot about um, our corporation. We don't even know who the members are. The website doesn't even give an indication of whether there's a president or a treasurer or a vice president. It just says these are the names of the nursing homes under our company. And I'm like, that's um, not useful. And it's ironic because um, there were a lot of concerns about our previous owner. But as we got more and more into working with this owner, um, everyone started to realize, you know, the previous owner wasn't all that bad. And many, as a matter of fact, many of the staff who have left, have left to go to companies operated
0: by a previous owner.
1: Wow. And Barb, have you experienced that at all or?
0: I have not. Uh, in fact, okay. the, um, the company that owns Larkin Chase also owned my previous um, uh, resident resident uh, facility in Silver Spring. It's a large. It's Genesis, mm-hmm. who owns you know a gazillion uh, nursing homes. Um, so I I have not experienced a change of ownership uh, while I have been a resident in a facility. Yep. Okay.
2: We were previously owned by Genesis, and Genesis sold us um, to a private equity group called the porta Piccolo Group, and they formed a. Consortium of nursing homes in the Maryland area called Peak Healthcare. And like I said, beyond knowing the name, we know nothing about it.
0: Wow. And,
2: and the owners have no nursing home experience whatsoever. The private equity investors, they were all in medical sales.
0: So
1: wow. So sorry,
0: I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm not crazy about Genesis but I'm sorry for
2: you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said we were you know we had complaints about Genesis but yeah. you know a few months into this um people were saying gee we were really messed up cuz Genesis was better than this by on an order of magnitude we can't even measure. And that's where um like I said that's where a lot of our staff we've had a bleed of staff. That's where a lot of our staff is is moving back to, is a Genesis facility somewhere around them.
0: Well, I will say, if I may, about Genesis, during this latter uh, outbreak, the Omicron outbreak, they stepped up and really uh, offered bonuses and raises and uh, staff incentives to keep people on and to keep them here. You know to do the doubles and do whatever was required and and it helped it did keep the people that we wanted here here but of course they got tired too you know you, you can't you can't get 24 hours you know out of a person you just can't do it legally or otherwise
1: so that that brings me to my next question which is a little bit broad but but with these nursing home reforms that will be implemented you know, in the coming months, let's, let's hope months, you know, as fast as possible. Um, what do they mean to you? Um, you know, we're talking about minimum staffing standards. We're talking about transparency. We're talking cases about individual rooms in some cases, support. For the staff, we've talked about, um, you know, accountability for poor performing nursing homes. How how will those reforms impact your lives? Do you think, and how do you think they'll impact the lives of staff?
0: Well, I know, and in, in in my case, the most important aspect and has been my advocacy, I would say, for the last eight years of my being in a long-term care facility is staff to resident ratio. I think that if we get a decent number in that ratio, I think that will be a huge, huge help to everyone, not just the residents. It will be a help to the staff, to the staff on every level. Because if your GNAs are happy, their supervisors, their nurses are going to be happier, and it's going to work its way all the way up. Um, As I say, unlike Maurice, I I have not had to worry about uh, transparency so much because Genesis has to be, because they are a a public corporation, I believe. Yeah, I believe that they trade. because they are, they must be transparent. Now, whether how transparent they are to us, I don't know. But in terms of transparency to the government, I believe they they pretty much have to be. Um, but to me, it, the, the main thing that I was interested in when it came down to, you know, what, what is I hope coming down from the Biden administration is that staff to resident ratio. That, that will affect my life a lot.
2: When I read the Biden administration's proposals, I thought I had just awakened um, from a dream and that um, somehow or another um, all the wishes in my dream were about to come true or coming closer to becoming true. I agree definitely with Barb that um, minimum staffing has to happen um, because, um, and it has to happen fast because um, of all the reasons that people talk about. Um, a lot of people left the field because of the, uh, when the pandemic started, um, then um, a lot of people are burning out, and there are, are not a lot of young people who are interested in getting into this field. Um, but we have to under, we have to underscore the importance. Of the staff these people are trained to save our lives and if there's not a lot not in, not enough of them around to get to us in a timely fashion in 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 the event of a crisis you know we may as well be homeless um and that is why it's important to have us you know a, a staff that's staffed that has high morale and that feels that it's actively involved um in the care and the comfort of each resident you know the gna job the cna job is a nasty job
0: yeah it is you're, you're yeah, changing
2: yeah. people's diapers you think you know dressing up a wound you're cleaning linen
0: and it is but, hard work
2: And it is very, very hard work, but it can be one of the nastiest jobs where you can make one of the biggest differences because if you are actively involved and you can say, I see this here on on my resident, it looks abnormal. Please jump, check it out. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: they get to it in time before it turns into something serious. If the good part of the job came back where, which is was, where we were slightly in pre-pandemic days, where people were actively involved in your care and being able to point out flaws in your care as CNAs, as GNAs, um, you feel a sense of importance. You feel a sense of, of, of being needed. And quite frankly, a sense of being feel a gratitude on the part of the resident. Um, I pray for that to happen. And uh, any company that says they'll go bankrupt um, if the minimum staffing levels um, are raised, um, I want to see a polygraph test do it, or I want to see them, see them say that under oath in front of a congressional committee, um, because I believe they're lying. These are issues of money and profits over people.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Well, I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to be here with us. And I do want to ask one more question. This is kind of a big one. Um, But beyond, beyond the Biden administration, is there anything else you think that the government should be focusing on that would make your lives and the lives of nursing home residents better?
2: Um, I think one of the things that, uh, I mentioned, I noticed about Barb when we spoke at a previous meeting, um, was that they were, um, enforcing during this Omicron outbreak, um, some of the governor's protocols before visitors can come in to the nursing home, because this is the first, um, "Quote unquote lockdown situation in which CMS has said it's okay for visitors to come in, and um, Governor Hogan has listed some very strict qualification, pre-qualifications before visitors can come in. Um, I think Barb's nursing home facility enforces them. It's stuff like you know, taking having a um, rapid COVID test administered." Um, prior to coming into the facility and making sure that you're negative. Our facilities are not. Um, I think my biggest wish is that um, we stop playing politics. And when it comes, and there's consistency from facility to facility, company to company, state to state, Um, you should not have to um, guess as to which state, as to which facility, as to which company um, you need to um, go to or to apply to in order to get a stand good, good quality care. Um, there should be a bar of consistency that everyone should have to pass. And um, I don't see that right now. I don't understand that right now. You're talking about people who have raised you, who have helped you, who have made significant contributions to society as as employees. You're talking about people who may look like um, someone you know who's also disabled, and you're going to want to waffle on the care they get because of some political debate? That doesn't make sense to me. Be consistent all the way on the board. Um, so that everyone can say, okay, we're going to get at least this quality of care, no matter where I live, no matter what facility I'm in. Excellent.
1: Those are great. Those are great Thank last you. words, Murray's. I mean, that's, that's like a perfect way to end. Barb, do you have anything to? Not at all. I, I agree. A hundred consistency of standards or set
0: standards and then be consistent i think we have to start with setting them first
2: good point barb Very good.
0: Consistency. yep you you said it perfectly maurice thank you
1: well thank you both again so much for joining us today we are so happy that you took the time out of your schedules and you know we know it can be hard sometimes for residents to join online and we just we really appreciate you making the time for us
2: thank you for Thanks doing this
0: for Being here for us Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can share your story with us, subscribe to the podcast, and find more information about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.